Hi guys, my name is Kenna Hartman. I am making a podcast on verbal abuse. I have a few people with me and we're using fake names. Woo, yeah, fake names. Um, so, the first person I have here with me is Millie. Oh, hi, Millie. Millie, say hi. Hey, yeah. how's it going, Next, I have Alfie. Oh, we love Alfie. <laughs> say hi, Alfie. Hi. <laughs> and then we have Daisy. Oh, hi, Daisy. Hello. And then we have Samuel. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first we're going to start off with some icebreakers. Um, let's see. Alfie, what is one of your hobbies? I really like to draw, and I've been playing piano for over a decade. Do you guys just want to go around the table, or...? Yeah. Uh, well, it's Melly here, and uh, one of my hobby hobbies is drawing and designing and you know, creating something new. Uh, it helps me to describe myself. Uh, I'm Daisy, and I love any kind of digital artwork and just something that I'm able to undo my mistakes on it because I make a lot of those. <laughs> oh, I'm Samuel. Um, I play guitar i've played for a while and it's a big thing for me yeah so cool just uh one of my favorite hobbies is i really like to be active um it's definitely something that's helped me throughout the years to let out anger so yeah uh let's go in reverse order for your biggest fear oh um my biggest fear um is uh people seeing me the way i see myself i think that's just like a big one for me because most people are really hard on themselves and just see like the worst in them and i think that would just be like really horrible for people to actually see you the way you see yourself so yeah dang my biggest fear is needles (laughs) (laughs) mine's just anything in front of a group of people because i always think that i'm gonna do horrible job even when I don't I just have the mindset that I'm gonna fuck it up mm-hmm. uh well for me I think absence of light because how would I know what I'm looking at if there's no light at all um my biggest fear is probably like um the fear that I'm like wasting my time and that I'm not like being as productive and doing as much stuff as I you know I could be doing mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so now I'd like to talk about like what verbal abuse actually is. Um, There's a lot of different forms of verbal abuse, but the main thing that I want everyone to understand is that verbal abuse isn't just like a one-time thing. Like verbal abuse happens over and over and over again, and that's how you actually like group it into the category of verbal abuse. Um, Some examples are name-calling, personal attacks, manipulation, and attempting to, like, humiliate someone. So, like, accusing them of being oversensitive or, like, saying they have no sense of humor when you make a joke and stuff like that. Um, Something I found really interesting was comparing verbal abuse to bullying. The definition for verbal abuse is when someone repeatedly uses words to demean, frighten, or control someone. 
and bullying is one who seeks harm, intimidate, or awkward. Be mean to someone. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if you guys like kind of see a connection in those two definitions, or if you have anything to say about that. Um. Yeah. Verbal abuse, kind of. I mean, from what I see here with the definition, um, like it's a form of bullying. Mm-hmm. I would add on to that, and it can also be a form of bullying that others don't notice as much if they aren't realizing that what the person is saying is abusive, and they can just write it off as a joke or something like that, mm-hmm. and it needs to be looked at more and then treated as bullying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of the time when people think of bullying, they think of like the big kid in school pushing down mm-hmm. the little nerd yeah, and like, like dominant. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not always that. Like in my research paper, I don't have it on here, but in my research paper, I found that there was a study that um, a lot of people who verbally abuse others are considered like the tough kid in school. Like, they're at the top of the food chain, like, they're popular, and I just, like, I think that's really interesting, because when people think of bullying, like I said, it's, like, more physical, usually. Mm-hmm. So, I have a couple of questions just on this topic, like, how do you think someone can realize if their partner or abuser says something that is true, or if it's just manipulation? Mm. You can't really, I don't think. Yeah, I mm-hmm. It really depends on how many people you have to, um, you know, to look at this situation where you may be being treated wrong or being called at something mm-hmm. funny. So, yeah, it, it takes some effort to figure that out, or sometimes it's pretty obvious because mm-hmm. they want to have you understand that it's, oh, it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is really hard to tell. It's like super, It's super hard to tell yeah. because, like, being, I mean, I don't know. When someone says they're going to, like, do a lot of things, especially if you, like, care about the person, then, like, you really want to believe them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's just a matter of time if they're going to do those things or mm-hmm. not. I, I, like, do the things that they say they are. Yeah, and I talk about this later. Um, I will be talking about this later. But when someone says something, like, if I were to go, uh, Alfie, you're hair is gross then maybe you're gonna go look in the mirror and be like oh my gosh maybe it is like (laughs) yeah and then like you become aware of it yeah so that's like i think that makes it really hard to tell like recognize if someone is like abusing you quote unquote or or just saying something that's true i mean if it's like repeated Mm -hmm. and like obviously like i mean Sometimes it's kind of hard to tell the difference between if somebody's just making a joke or like mm-hmm. not making a joke and like act like deliberately trying to abuse. But if it's like repeated and prolonged and mm-hmm. like keep doing it, also like I feel like a lot of the time it's, just, it's like really personal. Mm-hmm. It's like especially with our age group. Yeah, if it's like verbal abuse can be like super personal and like it definitely hurts more if it is personal and it kind of like hits your insecurities or like whatever Mm -hmm. you're stressing about yeah also sometimes the person 
like they might honestly believe or be telling themselves that they're just making a joke and they might not realize like even though they are being verbally abusive they might not realize how much harm they're mm -hmm. doing and they might when they say oh it's just a joke they might honestly believe that mm -hmm. even when it isn't taken that way and it yeah i think that's why when like in schools they talk about bullying victims mm -hmm. and bystanders they really emphasize like bystanders need to do something because the bystander can see the whole situation like like what you just said the bullier may not know that they're hurting the person like they may just think like haha funny and if a bystander sees the victim getting upset or walking away and go sitting in the bathroom and crying like that's that's when you know i feel like abuse for like it to be abuse I feel like there has to be like an aspect of like connection with that person mm -hmm. because then it becomes a lot more like personal personal yeah mm -hmm. again so like when I think of even like all kinds of abuse in general it's like you think it's this like tough kid in school or like this bully in school mm -hmm. but like at least from my experience, like all the abuse that I've seen in like my life and even in the media, it comes from the people closest to you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, something, another thing I found in my paper was, are you guys familiar with the term power gap? No. So basically a power gap is like parent to child. Mm -hmm. So a parent says, uh, for example, my mom told me that I couldn't work two jobs because I my mental illnesses are too bad and I wouldn't be able to do it. And I believed her because of the power gap, because she is at a higher, more mature, adulting, whatever level than I am, which is annoying, but... Yeah, I believed her because she is supposed to be that role model in my life. I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to, like, think of your, like, family or even, like, parents as, like, they can be abusers, too. Yeah. Like, when you're a kid, you think that, like, your parents can't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Or, like, your parents are, like, soulmates or whatever. Mm -hmm. So things like that. But, like, the order you get, maybe you kind of like see through see through it i guess exactly are we good to move on to the next question yes mm -hmm. so if any of us or anyone were to realize like oh my gosh i think i'm in an abusive relationship what are some boundaries that can be set up to avoid this and i think this is a really hard question because like what are you gonna do like in a situation like this like your parents are abusing you like what do you do i mean with parents it's really difficult it's really mm -hmm. difficult it could be very but i think it's more about trying to find that hey you know we're family there's mm -hmm. probably nobody closer than what there could be because mm -hmm. i mean you know when your parents took over your majority of your life just by caring and trying to teach you and do yeah. stuff with you right but whatever parent uh takes advantage of that that you're still learning and you're uh, insecure um it's really hard to try to find that middle ground where 
both parents and the child can like, okay, yeah, there were some things wrong and both of us have to admit that maybe both of us did something wrong. But, you know, really, it's a vague uh, yeah. cases. Yeah. I say that. And it's like communication too, always communicate. Mm -hmm. Everybody says that and like, I know it's really difficult and stuff, but. But honestly, it's, it's so. So much better to like, and just like the feeling of being able to like get it off your chest and being mm -hmm. able to like express that to somebody that you could like really care about. That's also, that's like a really good feeling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I also think that sometimes creating distance or just taking a break or leaving is sometimes the best mm -hmm. because it allows everyone to get to get self-reflective and realize, hopefully, if they're the one who's doing the verbal abuse, realize what they were doing. But it also gives you a bit of time so that you can pull yourself together. And if you want to go back, you can think about what you're going to say. And if you don't want to, you can start that process gives everyone some time to breathe yeah yeah awesome um so now i'd like to share like a little bit about my verbal abuse stories um just to kind of open up a safe place so that if you feel comfortable sharing you're welcome to um but basically um in my life name calling had been has been a huge part of like verbal abuse for me. Um, in my freshman year, well, summer after eighth grade year, I was raped. Um, and my freshman year, the boyfriend I had at the time, he made up rumors um, about the rape that I just had sex with the guy. like. I wasn't actually raped and he was just telling everyone that I cheated on him because he was mad that I was hanging out with this guy. And something that started to stem from that was a lot of name calling. So I became the cheater of the school and I lost a lot of friends and that just brought me down so hard. So I'd bring all of that home and I was just so depressed. And my dad is someone who cannot handle emotions. Um, so as soon as I started showing signs of depression and stuff like that, um, he would lose his temper very easily. Uh, I went to treatment for almost two years because um, I was just having a panic attack one night and lost it and I just moved home March 17th of 2020 and my dad and I relationship was fine at first and then probably around December ish um he and I started getting into some pretty nasty arguments um I got COVID at the end of December and my birthday is the day after Christmas so I was stuck in my room for my birthday and Christmas. And right when I was able to come out, my dad was still making us wear masks in the house. And my mom like handed me this tray that she had just washed. And she's like, will you put this away? And I was like, oh, I'm getting naked, like messing around with them. And my dad was like, don't fucking joke about that. Like, it's not funny. And I was like, dad, it was just a joke. He just got all mad and like, Things escalated and I took off my mask. 
and he came right up to my face. He goes, listen here, you fucking shit. You're not going to do that. And I just lost it. And I went to my room and closed my door and just went to the bed for the rest of the night. And that was, that was pretty much my breaking point of moving out. And then the next day, my mom convinced him to apologize to me. So he came up to me and he said, I'm sorry I yelled at you, but you were being an asshole. I was like, that, that's not how you apologize. Yeah. And I told him that. I was like, that's, that's not how you apologize. You saying, but in the middle of that sentence, just invalidated, yeah, the apology. And um, he responded with, I was just being honest. So I looked at him and I was like, I'm going to be honest to you. You're the reason I'm moving out. And nothing has like been the same, you know? And I am very glad that I got out of that situation. Little sister is still in that situation and I'm very sorry, <laughs> but um, you'll get out eventually. <laughs> um, but it's just like, it's not always, go I, I don't know, it's just, it sucks. It, it doesn't fix the problem. Yeah. And now my mom and dad are constantly getting on my ass about me running away from my problems. Mm. I, I really was just trying to get out of a bad situation, you know? Mm. So without going into too much detail, that's basically some of my verbal abuse, um, life, um, so yeah, if anyone else wants to comment on that or share one of their stories or a couple, you're welcome to. Um, it could be any bullying experience, parental downgrading, or like hurtful teachers. And if not, we can definitely move on. But you can go. For me, there was some people in my life who were their their comments about me never they made me feel like trash and I've kind of blocked out a lot of those memories and I resorted to coping mechanisms that were far from healthy and uh, when my mom found out about it she started screaming at me about those coping mechanisms and screamed at me for hours and then after the next day, uh, I was in class and apparent, and then I got called down to the office and apparently she called the school asking for what an appropriate punishment would be for those coping mechanisms. And the school sent me to a hospital for a little bit. And then talk, I, I, after I was out, uh, she, still does but just she'll berate me for wasting her money for me going to that hospital and stuff like that and uh counterproductive things but uh yeah it i'm excited for when i'm gonna be i'm planning on moving out this summer and whenever there's distance uh between her things get better it's just mm -hmm. when we're in the same house or something like that. Mm -hmm. It gets really 
she'll bring it up still, even though it's been a couple of years since, and sometimes she'll still yell at me about it. Mm -hmm. And there's other stuff that she, I don't know. Her go to move is yelling and name calling. And yeah. Before you go, Alfie, I'd just like to comment on that. Yeah. I think a lot of the times that my parents have said very hurtful things to me has either been in my house or in a car. And I don't know if that's just like where they feel safe to mm -hmm. feel like they can just let loose their anger on me or anyone um, or what, but I definitely feel that like even just going, I went home today to make some food and I, my parents are taking me off their health insurance when I graduate. And I, I was like talking to my dad and I was like, yeah, I finished my application for Medicaid. And he's like, did you do it right? And I was like, I, mean, I think I didn't really have your guys' help. And he's like, well, you should have asked, like, you probably did it wrong. I was like, um, what? <laughs> so like, it, I just feel like they, that's their safe space and it makes a very unsafe space for us. I've thought about why it's like, I've experienced the same thing with house and car being the primary thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, the reason that I think it might be happening is for my mom, when she starts, she'll rile herself up and she'll, it, it's in a place that I can't leave mm -hmm. and I can't de-escalate it. And yeah. like in a house, I'm not able to leave, especially if she, if she comes into my room and mm -hmm. like in a car when she's driving, I'm definitely not able to get out like on the middle of the highway. Right. And yeah. it's about like if we're out in public, I can just walk away. I like that perspective, yeah. Mm -hmm. Alfie, you wanna share? I actually moved out of my house for like a bit too. There were a lot of like issues for it, but like one of the reasons was because stuff with my mom had gotten so bad. Um, I think like I'm actually really happy to be back at home now and like that space away from her definitely like put things in perspective and stuff and um things are a lot better now even though we do get into our, like our occasional fight or whatever but I think with parents a lot I know this like I don't know the way that I kind of was able to get through it and like kind of make a better situation out of it is just like it's really difficult but a lot of the time I just like tell myself that I like can't talk back to her or anything mm -hmm. like I try and keep everything cool I'm never mm -hmm. like even like saying shit with her stuff like um I don't know like I never I never try and like I'm very conscious about what I'm saying to her and like mm -hmm. keeping her in her chill because she's emotional and mm -hmm. she'll get set off over like one small thing so I think having that self-control to like kind of keep it down is a really good thing like her and my brother fight all the time and it's like just this like constant nagging and arguing with each other and it's like sometimes she'll even like call me in to break up their conflict mm -hmm. I'm like this is not my fight yeah like, I mean yeah it's like one of one of us is gonna have to like stop so I am always the one to choose to walk away from a conflict right 
because also like the worst thing you can do to someone is ignore them Mm -hmm. and like just get like completely try and like shut them out and Mm -hmm. obviously you can't really like shut out your parents and meet them for certain things Mm -hmm. that's like that's just how it is but the more distance that you can like take from them and even in the situation if you walk away it's a lot lot better because then it gives them time to think about and reflect they're just gonna yell at a wall like they're gonna Mm -hmm. stop eventually yeah (laughs) one thing that i found that helps with that a lot is just writing down everything that i want yeah Yeah. writing is a really good outlet honestly you're like really riled up. I, I love writing. So. Um, so I haven't had very many experiences with verbal abuse, but I have had a few. Um, starting at the ripe age of 11, um, first year in middle school, and the entire year I was name called. That was a big one for me. Um, slut, whore, skank, all of those things for no reason at all. I hadn't even had my first kiss. Um, A lot of it was kind of coming off of my sister because she had a lot of those rumors spread about her, um, especially once um, she left for treatment. Um, So a lot of that was coming off on me because people didn't know what was going on with her. Um, So that was happening a lot during my first year of middle school, which was tough start for sure. Um, and then kind of going back to like, um, our parents, um, I think a lot with, um, my sister is she, when it comes to like my parents and her, um, I feel like they always kind of like put your mental illnesses around you and kind of just like act like that's kind of all you are. Um, but when it comes to me, it's, um, invalidating mine. So saying I don't have any, or, um, I'm fine. I'm the perfect child. Um, and I think that's been a really big thing for me, especially with my dad, because I will just be deeply depressed and struggling very much. And they're just like, you're fine. Like, you're just sad, like get over it. Um, and then a lot of times just try and like, make me do more things for them, like cleaning, just it's a lot of things that don't work um, instead of trying to help me. And I think that's like a big thing that like is a difference between me and you is they're more invalidating me than um, trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Want to share? Yeah. Um, It was really hard back when I was living with my parents to find a same language with them. I moved a lot around and that was, uh, you know, through different countries where there's either Asians or some other nationalities. And, you know, it always was hard for me to be feeling like I'm accepted there and not, I'm, and I'm not just sticking out of nowhere, like a star in the sky or something, you know, and uh, even then whenever, it was always uncomfortable being verbally abused by others, saying, like, oh, you're a white uh, MF and all the other stuff. Um, you know, I tried to find maybe guidance from my parents to even sort stuff out, but even them, they weren't perfect themselves. And they, you know, whenever I was trying to find a solution on how to fix myself so I wouldn't even, like, argue with my parents, the only solution I would always find is, you know, leaving them because so much bullshit that, 
none of the kids would want to do it, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't stop feeling uncomfortable until I moved out because it definitely made them feel like they're not going to be parents anymore. They're not having anything to take care of, even though they haven't been. And being on my own since a really young age just showed them how much shit am I ready to go through just because how uncomfortable they made. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really rough to understand that parents just want to fix us the way they want to be, you know, for us to be compliant to them while we want to, you know, at least as of our younger perspective, say, hey, but what if? But that if doesn't even be in their mind. They just hear what and just screw you over in all kinds of controlling manners, like, oh, I'm not going to buy you this kind of stuff or something this, because they, they, they pretty much use their... Uh, abilities against us and their you know rights against us when you know this should be caring all this but like responsibility yeah i mean shit i wish they were fucking responsible (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah it's really hard to even grow in this world without having the right guidance Mm -hmm. so whenever kids of our generation have to find our own ways it's just you know, we're make it, we make it work. You know, yeah. we, we can find the same language, social media, and other stuff, right? Means, yeah. But parents, they still old bastards, and they just, <laughs> you know, some some of them understand what's wrong, and they try to adapt and try to work it through, and not be this oh grumpy whatever it is, and be like, yeah, I'm always right, and you're wrong, and you're mm-hmm. still learning, even though you know, some kids when they're twelve, they're not that stupid. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like the annoying thing. I mean, parents like. Parents are always going to be all for you. Like your parents love you. Your parents are always going to love you no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. But like that aspect of like, you want me to act like an adult, but you're treating me like a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> One thing my dad would always do is mention like, "Oh, you don't know anything. Your frontal lobe isn't developed." And I'm like, "He said that to me the other day, like literally two days ago." <laughs> but is he even a doctor? No. Yeah, so how would he know? Yeah. I mean, he, he like sells he works equipment in, for healthcare, he works kind of he's in the medical not business. A doctor. Yeah. He's not the equipment for healthcare. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, I think how I know what's wrong. Yeah. yeah. I think the one thing I've picked up from like everyone just talking about their own experiences is like just especially going just around parents cuz everyone's spoke about it. Um is like we love we all love our parents like mm-hmm. deep down oh, yeah. but i think we're all way happier when we're away from them yeah. and i think they just it's hard for them to understand that but i feel like they always are like we want the best for you but then do the opposite of what's actually the best for you i mean relationships are 50 mm-hmm. so yeah like, they have to go 50 50 you also have to go 50 50 yeah even if it's like a little bit off, it actually like causes a lot of Yeah, and even like when they do want the best for you, they want to do the best for you. Like, yeah. like when I moved out, that was the best for me, mm-hmm. and I lost all financial support except for healthcare, which I'm losing now, and they're still paying my phone bill, so I guess that's a plus. But still, like I had to pay my rent for my own food, like everything, and I was still in high school, like. Mm-hmm. How in the heck? (laughs) I think the money thing is a really, it exemplifies the power dynamic Mm -hmm. and the power imbalance between kids and their parents. Because especially when you're 12 or something like that, you cannot, like a 12 year old will have a lot 
so much harder of a time mm-hmm. moving out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the 12 year old legally can't even work in Colorado and they yeah. can't pay for their own stuff. And they rely on their parents for that. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. power imbalance can create some really unhealthy things. Yeah. And speaking of like uh, mature young people, this is just in eighth grade. Like, yeah. No one would ever guess that. Like, <laughs> talking about frontal lobes, like, she's very smart. <laughs> Come on, people. Not you guys, but like, okay, you know, never mind. Okay. Um, are we good to move on, or do you guys have anything else you want to say? No? I'm good. Yeah. Parents be parents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the next part I kind of want to talk about briefly is, like, how verbal abuse like links with mental illnesses um a part of a study that i read said that when verbal abuse happens in somebody's life since it is reoccurring words that someone will say to you literally become part of your speaking pattern or speaking thinking pattern words Mm. (laughs) which is like what i was saying about your hair earlier when i made that example like you might start thinking there's something wrong with my hair you know because like you're making you're bringing something up and making me aware of it yeah i was never even aware of before Yeah. yeah and then you start paying more attention to it like you said and it changes your thinking pattern and this is just how you think from now on and i think that's caused a lot of my anxiety um I am bipolar type 2. I have generalized anxiety and panic, PTSD, and a processing disorder. And I think I'm also um, BPD, borderline personality disorder. Anyone doesn't know? Um, But, like, my parents think that I've always had anxiety. Like, that's kind of what Samuel was talking about Um, when... She was saying, like, I'm the mental ill child and she's the perfect one. Like, that's just, I have always been the mentally ill child. Like, when my parents used to put me in the car seat, they, I would arch my back and literally have a panic attack. And they're like, oh, she's just little. Like, she just doesn't like being put in the car seat. But, like, anxiety has always been a part of my life. And when people started bullying me for being raped like everything skyrocketed you know so um I was just wondering if like you guys either think that um you have a mental illness or like you know they have a mental illness and verbal abuse has worsened it or if verbal abuse has caused some sort of mental illness I think it definitely can like especially like from your like parents that would like verbal abuse from your parents obviously like prolong that's going to create some reactions and some like something going on but i think to like if if it becomes a part of your thinking pattern and you have and if it's like verbal it's getting into your mind you're listening to it you're hearing it you're becoming aware of it if you can like reaffirm yourself with like positive affirmations to yourself and even like saying things like that out loud Mm -hmm. 
it gets into your brain the same way and like your brain and mind is actually capable like it's crazy Mm -hmm. the way it works and like so much like so much of like your how you feel and stuff can be like controlled Mm -hmm. with your head and changing that kind of like mind state yeah speaking on that I just started a uh like a self-love journal Mm-hmm. And I stayed so up good. all night long making this journal to my likings. I wrote 50 writing prompts, hand wrote 50 writing prompts. So I would write in it every single day. I like cut out, um, what's it called? Uh, not newspaper, magazines. Oh. <laughs> I am young, that? aren't I? <laughs> if I oh, it's in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I cut out magazines to like make a phrase that says be your own reason to smile on the front. And then I made daily, weekly, and monthly goals that I put on the back. Yeah. So yes. that's yeah. like it is so amazing like how your brain can just change. Images too, images are like really mm-hmm. good for that. If you like create mood boards or like inspiration and it can like looking at that every day you'll like get those images into your head yeah you'll get this kind of like I don't know you just like have to charge yourself Mm -hmm. I guess I I I heard something that's like you're you start every day as an empty cup right Mm -hmm. and like all of life it fills up your cup so like that my coworker, that's going to fill up your cup a little bit your parents not verbal abuse that's going to fill up your cup a lot but if you if you already like recharge yourself and you have like already put some of like something into that cup mm-hmm. yourself something positive then all that negative wow. stuff it's not going to affect you as much it'll be like diluted yeah much less sure, um, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah for me i kind of had an opposite effect where i'll disassociate completely mm-hmm. and um I, my therapist diagnosed me with EID, which is disassociative identity disorder, where certain triggers that bring up memories from my childhood and stuff like that, uh, when that happens, I'll go completely blank. Like I'm still here, but my mind isn't really. And I'll, I won't remember what's happened and I'll just be going on autopilot basically. And I don't, it's caused like I have huge gaps in my memory and stuff like that. And I've been working to try and with my therapist to try and gain them back in a healthy way because mm-hmm. she says they're still buried down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just disassociate and when people say certain things to me, it can trigger it sometimes years later where nothing I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I won't be myself anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I've never had like a mental illness from my parents treating me like shit but mm-hmm. i think i developed a mental quality of me being insecure mm-hmm. where you know they, they say bad things and then i'm like okay well to not get super upset about it i'll just talk shit on my own and i'll say bad things to my own self and my mind so it would be like you know easier to accept any kind of other uh relative abuse or any kind of like you know stuff and like self-sabotage yeah yeah kind of like that and mm-hmm. then whenever i talk so much crap on me I hear something bad whenever people tell me like, "Oh, you're this and that." I'm like, "And yeah. like, yeah, hit me, hit me more, yeah, break yeah. me, come on." I've, I've trained myself, but long term, 
I, I notice my insecurities of me not being able to make like a really strong life decisions. And until a point when I moved out from my parents, like that was a huge kick for me. And then I understood, okay, I actually got this stuff together. You know, I don't need to be uh, scared or being afraid and then being, you know, I don't need to become a warrior to not be afraid of some fight or something, you know, it's yeah. like, it's all about whether or not you have good brains and just uh, your own positive mindset because that can just fix anything. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing I realize I've gotten out of um, verbal abuse from my parents is I wouldn't even really consider it verbal abuse, but I think really affected me because I've always been a person who is really hard on myself um, physically, um, just like with beauty standards and stuff. That was a really big thing for me from a young age. Um, and my parents, they still do, um, even knowing now um, – about having an eating disorder for me, but they used to always well, still do um, be like, if I was eating dinner and I would go up and get more, they'd be like, Oh, you're getting more food. And they would just, I don't even think they're trying Dude, to shame me, like, but like, they're actually like, hurts. yeah. Or like, if I'm like super hungry and I'm like, kind of like making myself a meal, they're like, that's so much food. Like, are you going to eat all of that? And then it's like, I'm not hungry anymore. Cause like you exactly. just said that. Yeah. And it's, I think that was like one of the biggest triggers for me for having this, um, eating disorder start for me because it was just like, like looks and stuff was like one thing for me that was just like really hard for me and not being skinny enough or pretty enough. Um, but I think by them just making comments like that, like thinking they're that being harmless. True. Yeah. Um, is what really just kind of like set me off. That's why you have to like, I think people like even schools should teach like proper communication yeah. in schools and like, or teachers how and to get every, money. And literally like, literally there's so many things that should be taught in school that yeah. like aren't taught in school. Like mm -hmm. how to build healthy relationships, yeah. what red flags are like yeah. finding your own coping mechanisms, like being able to, recognize your emotions and being able to cope with them as well mm -hmm. yeah definitely because like sometimes like like we've been talking about like your parents they can't help like sometimes they can't help you with things like that so if you have like, tools that you've been like taught from from an early age or something it could be much easier for you to mm -hmm. cope with something like that so, um, I just wrote a quick note to my sister to ask if I could share about this one night. Um, I don't remember how it started. Uh, here I can elaborate on that. Yeah. Um, my parents started, so they got back from this big trip, um, where they were gone for a week. And during that, um, during that week, I like, probably ate like once or twice and that was like kind of like it started this whole mindset for me and that's when I got really bad um and I they started noticing as soon as they got back and that's kind of what set off this whole night so yeah so basically I just hear them like screaming all of a sudden like I thought everything was fine I was just sitting in my room my door's always closed because you know like 
who would want to keep their door open, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was just sitting in my room and everyone just starts screaming. And I was like, what the heck is going wow. on? And um, they were talking about my sister not eating. And the night goes on and they take this rope and they lay it out on the ground and they go, okay, Samuel, um, show me how much rope it's going to take to fit around your waist. And I was just sitting on my door so I could listen. Um, and I'm, I assume that she put more than like what would actually fit around her waist because the next thing I hear my parents say is like, you're lying. Like, that's not real. Like, tell the truth, so, so Samuel. <laughs> and like, that was another moment where I was just like, that's not okay. Like, this is, this is something that is hurting her. And, you know, like, this is a moment where you guys need to realize that there is a problem here that needs to be resolved, you know? And just... I don't know. I think it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it was a while ago. Do they drink a lot? Like, it sounded like they were completely insane. Um, my dad does more than my mom. Um, but he's not like an angry drunk, thankfully. Oh, he's not God. an angry drunk. He's just a weird drunk. Like, like he's like annoying. Yeah, he yeah. just gets very, very talkative. And then if you set him off, then he, he can't control it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, think, yeah. do you think his parents could maybe help him to figure out what he's maybe doing wrong? He's not very good at listening to advice. Yeah, oh my gosh. There was, sorry, I'm kind of getting off topic. But there was this one time where my mom was talking to him and was like, you just need to talk to her. Like, stop yelling at her, like talking about me. And she was just like, just put in a little effort. And he goes, fuck you, Jessica. I am putting in effort. That's not effort. That's aggression. Yeah, I like, think it's him trying to pretend that he's still in control where, you know, he understands that he mm-hmm. pretty much is nothing, so he's playing this little game. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's how it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. He is a big person when it comes to, like, I'm the man of the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very conservative. Yeah, he's almost sexist at some times, which, like, I mean, I, I can't think of any instances of, like, that, like, really stuck out to me. But there are just, like, some things that's, like, I'm the man of the house. Like, men control everything kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it's just, like, dude, like, come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, we love him. Like, yeah. It's never been a thing of I hate you so mm-hmm. much. Like, we definitely said that. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, he's our dad. And that's just, that makes everything so much harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the last thing I'd really like to talk about is how to stop verbal abuse and, like, leave toxic relationships. So all of you have a little printout. And it just so happened that I had the perfect amount of people, adults, give me the perfect amount for everyone to read. Um, So basically, at my treatment facility, I made a lot of adult friends. Like, I was very close with my treatment team. And, um, I didn't mean for that to sound weird at first, but yeah, so I was very, I had a very strong connection with my treatment team 
And I reached out to a few of them and I was like, Hey, like if there's anything you can think of that would like give some advice on how to leave abusive relationships or how to stay motivated afterwards or anything like that, like can you send me an email? And um, if you guys want to read the paper out loud in front of you, you can. Um, I can also read if anyone doesn't want to read. Um, it's just really up to you. Is any Does anyone not want to read one? I okay. think anyone is just really long. Well, it's just do you want me to go this through? long. Is that, is okay? Is that okay? I, I can read that one if you want to do this one. Sure, whatever works. Cool. Okay, so I'll start off. Um, I didn't actually know this therapist, but I really appreciated her words. So she said, uh, so many thoughts here. It depends on your situation, obviously, but I think that some of the biggest tips are to line up your emotional, financial, and physical supports. When you are in an abusive relationship, you often experience a cycle of grief, so it is important to have your emotional and physical supports in place for when those big emotions arise. If you are financially relying on someone, you will want to have a job and savings to prevent you from returning to the relationship for financial reasons. I would also recommend that the survivor understands and write down why they are leaving this person. There will be times that they will regret or second-guess their decision to leave the relationship, and it's important that they remind themselves of why. Also make a list of expectations you will have for future partners. Write down <laughs> what you learned from the abusive relationship and have empathy on yourself. There's a reason that people get stuck in abusive relationships. Have empathy for yourself and remember you are a survivor. Does that spark anything for anyone? Any comments on that? I just thought no one else really spoke about the financial part, and I no, yeah. really liked that she talked about that. See, it's it's even it's. I mean, in some of the states, don't you still need your parents' approval to work if you're under eighteen? I'm not sure, but I mean. So I think we're, I, I honestly I'm, don't know. I mean, even in Colorado, you can't work until you're sixteen or fourteen to fourteen. No, depending on the job. But depending on the yeah. job, yeah. Because some are 16, some are 14. Yeah. And that is old. You're old enough when then mm -hmm. when this stuff can be happening, you can realize mm -hmm. it. And Colorado also has no emancipation law, oh, really? which I really hate. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. Like, if someone is in an abuse, like, if a child is in an abusive relationship, no matter what form of abuse it is, and they don't feel comfortable taking it somewhere and like they just want to get emancipated or whatever the situation may be. Mm -hmm. Colorado does not have an emancipation law. Yeah. Okay, well, someone let's have. Yeah, because you have to go to camera. I think one of the things that um, actually about that was like your support systems. Mm -hmm. The thing about like a lot of toxic relationships is like those people sometimes tend to like cut you off from your support mm -hmm. systems and it's like really easy to kind of like get caught up into all of that yeah um, and like kind of lose sight of like who you have around you mm -hmm. and like what coping mechanisms you have again so I mm -hmm. just kind of like make sure they're always 
there, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I like that because another thing is, like, if you lose, like, not necessarily lose, but if you don't see your support system or something like that because of your abuser, you might have this feeling of, like, he, he or she or whatever, they are so, like, they're all I have. I'll be alone without them. Mm -hmm. And that could be another reason why you wouldn't want to leave. Also, trusting your support system. Um, mm -hmm. I was just in a relationship that I didn't really realize was abusive. And I had three friends come and talk to me and like tell me straight up that it, I, it was abusive mm -hmm. and I needed to get out of it because it wasn't good for me. Mm -hmm. And I've been out of it for about a month now and I'm realizing now how bad it was. But being in it, you don't, you're not always aware. It makes you so blind, mm -hmm. especially yeah. if like, if you really, really care about that person, mm -hmm. you kind of like, sometimes you have it in your head that like, Oh, they care about me too, right? Like, I'm in the relationship with them. Like, mm -hmm. they care about me that way, you know? But, like, a lot of times not yeah. really like that, you know? Yeah. And I'm happy I trusted, like, my friends and stuff like that. Be I don't know, because I would still be in it if I hadn't. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You want to go, Samuel? Oh, yeah. So I'll just read that. Yeah. Okay. Always remember that you are that you are a person of value, just like everyone else. No matter what anyone says, you are always worth it and have limitless potential. All people have the ability to create a life they love. Nobody is lost forever. What do we think about that? Um, I think it's... That's some elements of true, but I mean, mm -hmm. um, next. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Um, we are not our worst choices. We are not our weakest moments. Every moment is a chance to write our story anew. I think one of the hardest things about getting out of an abusive relationship is buying into the lies our own mind tells us. And those lies are often reinforced by the abuse itself. We have to bring personal awareness to those moments and ask what beliefs we want to give life and energy to. We can't forget to elicit outside support. Oftentimes, we buy the lie that we should hold shame for the situation we are in, and so we believe we have to go it alone. Don't go it alone. I think that kind of connects this one, the one that I read too, like being alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like making sure you have people for you and things that can help you out in those situations. Yeah. Um, I think like another thing that has helped me is like writing down like goals that you have for yourself. Yeah. And like you might like have a vague idea of your goals and like I, my brother tells me this all the time. He says, I'm not going to write down these stupid goals. Like I'm already <laughs> like this, but if you like write down and like have those concrete goals, at least for me, like everything, literally everything I do has to like tie back into those goals. So like mm -hmm. if it's for like more respect for myself or like, like, I don't know, like 
whatever the situation may be lifestyle or something and like literally like every single thing i do ties back into like those goals and like those wants i have for myself yeah and then it's kind of easier to like like the actions that you take and the steps you take here they're like getting somewhere Mm -hmm. i've really liked making goals for myself because i like having a schedule Mm-hmm. like I go crazy if I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. also why I like planned this out so in depth like I got everyone waters and stuff like because I have to be on that schedule you know mm-hmm. like yeah it, that is just how my brain works and writing goals for myself has really been like keeping me on a schedule because ever since I moved out it's just been like well go ahead like do whatever you want and that's just not how I function mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too, me too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is the quote that goes there. So, uh, so mine is, uh, love doesn't always look like allowing people to mistreat you. You can love people and not want them in your life. You can love people and love being at peace without having the chaos they bring. Love is not traumatizing. And I think that's really true. Mm-hmm. You can love people from afar and love who they were or what you had, but that doesn't mean you have to still be in the toxic parts of it. Yeah. It's literally like just self-respect, like having respect for yourself. And like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I care about this person. I really like want to make things work with them, but if they aren't going to like step up, then mm-hmm. I'm not going to like keep Water down hurting tray. myself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Trying to like love them and get them to love me because mm-hmm. no person's, the, like there's not gonna be any amount of love that you give to a person that's gonna make up or like account mm-hmm. for the lack of love that they're giving you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I don't have a ton of sound wisdom in this area, but I agree with this whole part of it. For the sake of love, we often excuse pain. Love is not pain and it is not traumatizing. Um no. I don't know. For me, talking about love, it's like I'm still trying to grow things with my friends, so I cannot give any kind of opinion on this. Yeah. But I mean, what if what if you're a masochist and you love me? You know, maybe mm-hmm. it makes you feel alive. See, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of a brain twister whenever it comes to this. But um, yeah, I mean, it should it, even even if you're a masochist, it, it shouldn't be traumatizing. You know, to yeah. a point where you're like, okay, this is too much. You know, hey, stop stop doing crazy. Uh, well, for example, BDSM stuff to me. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I, I think an important aspect of that is consent. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in toxic relationships and stuff like that, you don't consent to the pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like BDSM or something, there has to be that element of consent. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it isn't good. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just abusive, toxic, and, you know, dominant, and this and that, where there is no pleasure. It's just, you know. Okay, well, does anyone else have any other words that they'd like to add or anything like that? I think our generation is actually going to fix on show. I think so too. I think that, like, Like we went through so much crap. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Just to think this, like, what? I don't think we get enough credit, honestly. Us? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We get to see a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be like, I think as we grow and like how like i think there's gonna be like some kind of shift or something mm-hmm. i think it's already I think happening it's in us, but for adults yeah 
I agree with it. I hope that you're right, but I tend to be a little more pessimistic. <laughs> I've been in abusive things with people our age, and I think. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's people's like also kind of like lack of knowledge about yeah. like how to carry out something like that, and also like some people are so used to like being in an abusive cycle, like you have abusive parents, you're going to have abusive like relationships with the people around you, abusive friendships, toxic friendships. And people like are so kind of familiar with that kind of like chaos and like right. always emotions and like this whole, like, it's a really emotional thing. And like being in toxic relationships with anyone, it's just like, dude, it'll have you ruin your day, whole day ruined by like 8am. Like, yeah. It really sucks. So like sometimes when people have peace and they have like this kind of peace, they're not around any of that chaos, it feels really weird for them mm -hmm. and it feels super foreign and they can't kind of like wrap their head around. This is how it's supposed to be. Like it, it shouldn't be emotional and chaotic all the time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for being so open and sharing everything. No, thank you. Yeah, no, of course. And now everyone just say goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah.